You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to my dad's podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. My name is Vincent. I'm 40 years old. I just wanted to remind you about something. When you go to tonedup.com slash sweetwater or tonedup.com slash reverb to buy your guitar stuff, that helps my dad buy groceries for me. So thank you very much. Okay, on with the show. This is a really good one with Michael Reclary from Surfer Blood. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Tone Mob podcast, the show about guitar tone and the people behind it. I'm your host, Blake Wyland, and with me today, I have Michael McCleary from Surfer Blood. What's going on, man? How's it going, everybody? Hey, good people. <laughs> How's everybody doing? <laughs> yeah. One thing I wanted to bring up before we get started, uh, you know, we're going to get into your backstory and all that, but one thing, and you may have heard this before, but your band you know, your sound is it, when I heard the name surfer blood, I'm like, Hey, that's kind of, that's a pretty cool name. B I wonder what that's going to sound like. And then when you queue up your music, <laughs> it's like, Oh yeah, that is what a band called surfer blood should sound like. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's funny. Like I can, we can get into how the, the name came about. And I just wanted to say right off the bat, I, um, I am not the original guitar player, but, the original guitar player uh, kind of asked me to join um, about five years ago, as well as the rest of the band, which are all friends of mine from high school and even into middle school. Right. Um, the drummer and I, my first band I ever had um, was with the drummer of Surfer Blood, Tyler Schwartz. Uh, we formed that when we were like 13 years old. So I've always been kind of in the same ballpark as everyone in the band and throughout the years are, you know, wherever our music took us, we kind of always ended up jamming at the warehouse, you know, when they were off tour. So it was kind of like a, a dream come true, being able to see the band really kind of take off and have success and then be asked to join the band. Um, it seemed kind of like a natural fit. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy to think that, you know, it's been 20 years of friendship between uh, the drummer and guitar player and I, um, which kind of makes it easier you know, for us to get along and we've kind of figured it out by now, you know? Yeah, totally. It's kind of neat. Yeah. The chemistry is important for all that. Um, well, maybe let's get, let's yeah, go back to all that. Let's go into a little bit more detail. Like when did you first pick up the guitar and how did that, you know, translate into what you Oh, doing? wow. Oh, wow. That's a, that's a good question. Um, well, my dad played guitar. He still does. And harmonica. He was, he was the dad that would always bring us camping, you know, every year. And he'd bring that acoustic. He had this old 70s Alvarez, yeah, which he still has. My mom bought him years and years ago. And uh, he would use the harmonica strap and sit around the campfire and play, you know, original songs he wrote as well as like, you know, the stereo, stereotypical dad songs like, you know, Bob Seger and Zeppelin and all the kind of classic rock stuff, which is kind of what 
you know, I grew up on, like my dad always had a record player and he'd be playing all these, you know, cool classic rock songs. And I would run around the house with a little plastic guitar and, you know, just not know what I'm doing, but just kind of like rock out air guitar. And, and I always loved music at a very young age, you know, and it ran in my family. Like my, even my grandfather, my, my great grandmother, she played piano for silent films and like would look up at the screen and just kind of, if it was a chase scene, she would kind of go into that or, you know, so it, it, I have a, you know, a big history of family musicians and, um, and also playing by ear a lot too, as well as, you know, I have some music teacher uncles and aunts that taught me, you know, trombone at a young age. And that's kind of how I met all the, everybody in the band. We all went to an art school and, I auditioned when I was probably 13 years old, made it into the middle school and then auditioned again for the high school, made it in. And that's where kind of I met everyone uh, from Surfer Blood um, before Surfer Blood even was. And um, we've been friends ever since. So it's kind of neat full circle, kind of how it all happened, just kind of where everyone ended up, you know. I'm Uh, certainly glad I didn't have to audition for any of my schools. They would not have let me in. Yeah, it was very nerve-wracking, uh, especially at a young age like that. You know, you're. I was just remember. I just remember being super nervous. Like, you know, like I got to make it into the school. Like, most of the other public schools in our area weren't very great, and um, School of the Arts Dreyfus there was like a very highly rated school, and it was one of the schools that was. It was still a public school, but you had to audition to get in. So it was like a funny it was like it was like a free education but the best education you can get for the arts and academics if you made it in so it was like very like i can remember just sitting there just sweating like and uh i'll never forget our band director wayne miller he asked me to to sing happy birthday and he gave me one note on the piano he went over and hit the piano down in one key and you had the root note and then you had to sing the rest of the song there and i was like you're kidding, right? Like this is not what? part of the audition. There's no, there's no way. Like this is you're messing with me. And uh, I remember I sang "Happy Birthday," and he was like, "That was really good." I was like, <laughs> I never thought someone would critique the way I sing "Happy Birthday," but it, it was, it was. I can, I'll never forget that moment and uh, getting the letter in the mail, you know. And they're like, "You've, you've, you've made it in." And I just remember just like being so relieved. Um, and it was a really great experience. Like I rode the train every day to school, which in South Florida, for people that don't know, I mean, there's not many modes of that kind of transportation. Like it's not like a big city where you, you're in New York, you got subways and trains and everything going on. It was, so it was kind of cool, like riding a train to school, you know, with a bunch of artsy kids and made a lot of really good friends, you know, that have lasted a lifetime from that place. So very grateful to that school. That's really cool. It's cool that they have something like that available. I don't think, you know, not to not to be this guy. We when people think of Florida, they don't think of prestigious art schools most of the time. They think Yeah. Florida man. <laughs> yeah, we get a Florida gets a bad rap, you know, and, and you know, it's it sucks cuz like there's a lot of good things and people here as well, but it's I seem like a lot of the negative stuff gets the most attention cuz you know, it's just like the butt of every joke now. Right. Um, but yeah, South Florida, you know, there's a lot of different cultures and just 
a vast group of people, different people that like make it so cool and unique. And, you know, Miami, you know, is, is amazing. And they have uh, good art schools down there as well. And I feel like it's only getting better. Like the scene, art and music in general, there's, there's festivals down there now, like huge festivals that are like, you know, booking international acts and artists. So it was a, it's a very exciting place to grow up. Like we were kind of just north of there in West Palm, like, you know, an hour or so north. So we're close enough where you could get the big city feel if we had to, or go down there to play shows and kind of feel like, you know, established and, you know, feel good. Like those shows always went really well and still do to this day. This, this is kind of a random sidebar, but I'm sure you've been there because this is where you live, but there's a store in Florida. I really want to go. I believe it's in Miami, uh, called Walt Grace Vintage. And it seems like oh yeah, the coolest store Absolutely. ever. Yeah. Actually, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because it's a pretty crazy story. The guy, I had, I was selling a bunch of guitars and gear for a uh, an estate down here a while back. And the guy that owns and operates that store, which I had no idea about, I had no, never heard of it. I was like, what? There's a, a random vintage guitar store in in, in Miami. And um, I'm pretty sure it's the same store, but it used to be called Cars and, or Cars and Guitars. Right. And it was all these vintage, cool cars and motorcycles, and then just the best gear you could ever imagine all in one place. And I, he reached out to me. He's like, hey, I'm inter- interested in a few things you got. And um, so I, I loaded my car full of gear and drove down there. And he wrote me a check for a pretty good amount of money and bought like a whole bunch of stuff uh, off me, and which was cool because I I had to, you know, get rid of this gear. I was like kind of my job to help this family sort out some of their stuff, and it was cool. He bought like a really uh, really nice Strat, like 50, 50th anniversary Strat, an old British uh, hand wired Marshall. Oh wow! Um, little combo. Um, yeah, he bought a bunch of stuff. Really nice guy and very cool store and i know they've they've moved um their location only probably a few blocks but they're down there in winwood miami and it's if you're ever down there definitely pop into this place and check out their collection it's pretty amazing and it's just eye candy for days if you like guitars and cars you're it's basically your your heaven (laughs) those are two of my very favorite things so that's why i I brought it up i just i'm like oh it's the best it's such a good instagram follow if you if you people aren't doing that already like at the very least follow them on instagram it's awesome yeah you there's nothing like walking in there for the first time you feel like a kid like your parents like just brought you to the water park and like you can't get through the gate fast enough it's like wow like everything is just everything's in like perfect condition and like really old gear and it's very unique place really yeah i'm actually surprised there isn't i mean maybe there is and i'm just ignorant that that's not more of a common crossover so i feel like a lot of people yeah old guitars also like old cars i i that just seems to be pretty common yeah that's i didn't think even think about that until i saw that place i'm like oh yeah this works really well mm-hmm. like this should be a thing yeah this should know? be a, everywhere if they need a franchise <laughs> out everywhere 
Yeah, I feel spoiled. It's I mean, there Miami's got a lot of cool things like that, you know, like especially in that Win Winwood area. There's like a ton of really cool, you know, bars and you know, art galleries and it's just a really neat kind of place to just go hang for the day, walk around and just see art everywhere and it's definitely a cool spot. I've heard the food's incredible too. I get like I keep hearing these things yeah. about my, Miami, and I'm like, I never thought I wanted to visit Miami, but I think I want to visit yeah. Miami. Yeah, we we played this um, this place, this hotel, um, the Hall, down in South Beach, and we did this like cool little pool side, you know, intimate showcase there a couple of years ago. And their chef there at the time, I don't know if he's still there, but it was that guy uh, Spike from the one of those cooking shows. I can't remember which one, but we we come in, we're like thinking, oh, this is cool. Like, and then they're like, oh, Spike will be, you know, making you some food and drinks today. And we're like, wait, like from the show, like, and it, he was so cool, and we got to hang out with him by the pool, and he made these really cool, you know, artsy kind of cocktail fruity drinks and we kind of hung out by the pool during the day and did a show at night for like a a bunch of kids and it was like a really cool cool night and the food was you know spectacular of course but um yeah lots of lots of really good food and bev places down there all over the place the listeners of this podcast know that like the you know i love gear but my other favorite thing is is food (laughs) i just uh, I'm yeah. such a big food. <laughs> Actually, I had a couple listeners recently. I was really surprised about this because I like sometimes will like post like me smoking meats in the Facebook group that's associated <laughs> with this uh, with this podcast. And I had a couple people yeah. on my last. I did an Instagram story or something, uh, and they yeah. they were like, "Dude, you should make a cookbook." And I was like, "Really? I never thought of that." <laughs> but then I got to thinking. Yeah. I was like, "My family does have like a a handful of." kind of unique things and so i'm like i'm really thinking about making a cookbook (laughs) Uh, hey i mean why not it's uh, a i mean i I think it's weird i think it's good that you're i think it's good that your followers aren't like hey that's not a distortion pedal or like what is that that's not gear like who doesn't like food i mean you know throwing that in there yeah exactly it's kind of funny (laughs) because like it's just a it's kind of just a natural thing that's gotten pulled out from doing you know a conversation based podcast i didn't like intend mm-hmm. to i've always said like if i started a, a food podcast we'd probably talk about guitars more often because it's just like <laughs> it's just yeah it's just a weird a weird side like thing that's happened with the you know mostly with the listeners of the podcast the followers on instagram are more you know interested in gear of course because that's how what i built the account yeah. around but um yeah but like yeah the the facebook group and the listeners of the show they know they know i love the i love to eat <laughs> yeah i i saw i saw recently like dave grohl on a podcast talking about how he like grills and his passion for grilling and feeding people and i was like i would love to watch dave grohl cook smoke meats like who you know like, yeah. <laughs> who, 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 that's cool you know like that's I, I was actually, it's funny that you bring this up because I was out here the other day. I'm, I'm staying uh, at this um, really beautiful place down here in Fort Pierce called Indian River Gardens. And it's an artist retreat uh, that my girlfriend kind of started up. And we, 
you know, with this pandemic and everything going on, we're like, let's go there. Right. And just kind of, you know, like recenter. And I got my little studio here and I brought like some of my favorite guitars up with me that I can't really leave without. And uh, so I've been up here and we've been just kind of, it's right on the water, beautiful, a lot of space. And we've been grilling out every night and our neighbor over here, this guy just comes by and he's just like, Hey, like you like fish? We're like, yeah. He's like, I got some snook here. It was, you know, swimming a few hours ago. Like, don't freeze it. And I'm like, heck yeah. Like, Oh yeah. We throw that on the, so we, you know, my girlfriend came in and we, we, uh, you know, seasoned it up and threw it on the grill with the steak I was making. And we, we ate like Kings that night. Oh, it was, man. it was great though. Like, I'm like, everyone's so nice here. I'm like, this is great to just kind of get out of the, congestion of west palm beach where you know kind of where we all reside so it's been really wonderful i've been also getting really creative and recording you know some music of my own that i've been uh putting off i have demos for so i've been kind of getting more creative and kind of working more on stuff that kind of makes me happy and i enjoy doing as well so yeah i i'm starting to uh and i've threatened this for a while i haven't wrote a song in a really long time since like 2015 probably and uh Mm -hmm. i i feel like that's that's dumb (laughs) like (laughs) like i should be working on some of that stuff i've been actually kind of insanely busy during all of this lockdown more so than i would have expected yeah um but yeah yeah i i keep I keep thinking like, uh, cause I like, I have demos I need to work on that I need to do, you know, gear demos and stuff, but I also should just like, yeah, the last time I, what got me to write songs last time is when my band was like, we're like, we're going to make a record. Like we're not like a serious touring band or anything like that, but we're like, we, we have been playing together for a while. We need to make a record. And it's like, we do need to make a record. And so it was like having that like, and then, so my job at the time I had to schedule my vacation time a year in advance. And so mm-hmm. I needed to, I, I, we, we were, you know, we're like, we're going to record on these dates. And so I, I like, I, we have to have finished songs by those dates. And so it was like having that hard deadline gave me that push to actually push stuff out into the world. And now like not having that, it's, it's like my songwriting has just went, by the wayside and yeah that's not good i feel like that's that's true though having that deadline does force force you to kind of wrap it up in a sense if especially if you already have stuff going but we've we've kind of like with with surfer blood i know as of lately we've been sitting on a lot of material and things that we've already finished that we haven't been able to release since this uh whole pandemic and thing went down so we're kind of like waiting like should we wait or should we just release this record like we're sitting on you know some music and some eps that are done all the music's done and so we're kind of just trying to right now figure out our timeline and the best strategy to to release these this music to everyone because we ideally wanted to be on the road and touring you know when the record came out so i could see like you know with what you're saying like Get, getting cre- creative again is like it's always it's it's you can't force it you can't force creativity but you can what you can do is put yourself in the environment that kind of facilitates that you know naturally so yeah, exactly i feel like that's why i came here like i'm like well, i just need to get out of my house because it, it didn't happen like 
I wasn't like, hey, like I got so much time now, like I can work on my music. It, it didn't really happen for me like that. We spent probably a month in in isolation, you know, lockdown, me and my girlfriend and I and my, my pets. And um, it just triggered for both of us. We're like, we need to just get out of here. Like this is stale. And since I we've been here, like I've been writing again and, and finishing some songs that I had that were kind of incomplete and uh, kind of focusing on what our next moves for the band are going to be. And uh, it's been really nice to kind of transition into this, you know, that we're where we're at now. So, yeah, you're right. You can't really force creativity, but you can definitely like I for me, like I have to get into a mindset. So like I have to be like, mm-hmm. this is this is the thing that we're going to do. Like like right now, I'm like I'm I've wrote I've, I've gotten this is weird for me to even say, because uh, for me, it didn't really feel like writing, but I guess it kind of was writing. Uh, I wrote a comic yeah. book last year and I'm getting ready to write another one. Um, but again, I, I have a hard time saying it's writing because what I like, you know, you're supposed to like write out a script and, and all this stuff. And I'm not really doing that. Like I found that like the process is much easier for me to like lay out the page with my really horrible, like barely first grade level art skills and, and write in, <laughs> you know, and like write in the dialogue and the, you know, and any of the descriptions and like just write notes and stuff yeah. and then hand that over mm-hmm. to the artist versus like writing out a script. It, you know, yeah, it, it's just like way faster for me to do it that way. But again, like it's, it's definitely writing cause I'm coming up with the story and the dialogue and the, you know, everything to do with it. But I'm, it's also like definitely not writing, writing, <laughs> if that makes any sense. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Right. Um, yeah, that's cool though. So, but like, I guess to what I was going with that is like, I have to get in the mindset when I'm ready to do that. And that's usually like when I'm by myself at night and everything's quiet and I can just come up yes. with the next page. And that's what I figured for that. Yeah, and music for me is, is I have to like, I have to make it intentional. Like, okay, I'm going to try to come up with right. something, you know, in this kind of vibe, I have to like mentally push myself there. It doesn't, and then yeah. it starts flowing. Then it starts coming out. I, but I have to force myself there first. It's kind of weird, right? Yeah, no, I, I agree with that fully. Like, that's another reason why you know we came up here is because not one but two houses in my neighborhood are under construction right now. So, oh, dude, we'd be trying to, we'd be trying to like, I'd be trying to record a take we did this series uh, with surfer blood, a quarantine, like home video series. And we'd, I'd be in the middle of a take and like, you just hear this like big crane or hammer just like going away. And like my girlfriend would be trying to teach a yoga class, like in the treehouse there, like, and there'd just be people banging and, you know, yelling. And so we're like, okay, like <laughs> it's, it's kind of hard to get into that creative mode when you keep getting distracted. So I can see, I definitely agree with you in that regard. Like you got to kind of, it has to be peaceful and quiet and environment to kind of hear your inner thoughts and, you know, and feelings kind of when it comes to writing music yeah. or writing anything for that yeah, regard. For sure. Which is weird because, uh, for me, it instantly becomes a very, once I get in the mode, it becomes a very not quiet environment very quickly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well then you get like, you, then you get like frustrated or mad and then you're like, then you're trying to really trying to force it. Like yesterday, actually, I was trying to draw this thing. Uh, 
this thing out on this cardboard. I was just kind of like practicing. I, I doodle art and stuff. Like I'm not very good, but I, I enjoy it. And uh, I kept messing up, like doing something wrong. Like, you know, and it, really there's no right or wrong way to do art, but like in my mind, it has to be the way I see it. And I was like, not, it wasn't happening. And I like got so frustrated and I, I just had to like, I had to just walk away from it. Mm-hmm. And like, I ended up, I ended up like shaving my head the other day. <laughs> like, I, like, I don't I think everyone out there in quarantine has like been there, like right at the edge of it. If you haven't shaved your head or, or, or not, but my hair is kind of like my identity. Like it's been that way for years. And like, I, I'm like, no, it's not, it's not my identity. Like, I'm going to just shave my head right now because I, I feel like it. And like, really, no one's going to see me anyways. They'll tell me it looks bad or like I messed up. Like we're just out in this log cabin, you know, away from everybody. So it's like kind of the perfect time to just cleanse and get, you know, start over. You know, it's kind of just like I had a moment, you know. Yeah, I'm a big fan but, of the the well, I don't go I don't go clear to skin, but uh, I uh, I definitely like over the years, I, I have this weird, like, cowlick. I, I've, I've messed with my hair, like, my entire life, trying to figure out yeah. a haircut that I like, <laughs> that is not, yeah. you know, that I think looks good on me. And the, the only one I could come up with that that was, that I was happy with and that my wife liked that was, was such a high-maintenance haircut for a dude. I, like, had to get my haircut, like, yeah. every, like two weeks or yeah. something and i was like this isn't worth it right and so i just became yeah, no. number one buzzer guy and i just buzz my every yeah. three weeks it's like all right time to go to the barber yeah. and i go in the in the bathroom yeah. and shave my hair all off with number one I'm, and it's a yeah i'm, I'm down with it you know it, it, yeah that's, that's essentially what i did that's essentially what I, I don't i didn't go when i say shave my head i I definitely didn't shave my head. I used my my beard trimmer and just kind of did a, a one or whatever the lowest yeah. setting would go and just went with it. It feels and, nice, uh, doesn't it? And it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. It's just and but I, I have a cowlick too, like in the front and in the back. Mm-hmm. So it looks weird, but I mean, like I said, like I don't care. Like <laughs> I was just like I had a moment and my hair has been. I'm the opposite of you. I've had like literally the same haircut since high school. Like, and it's just like shaggy out of control. It looks like I just never brush it. And it's just, I have really curly hair and it just goes kind of nuts and just does its own thing, but it's low maintenance, but it appears to be like, there should be maintenance to your hair, (laughs) (laughs) but it's the, the the, the lack of maintenance is the haircut kind of. Yeah. I feel that. So I, I was just like, you know what? I'm just, you know, start over. I, and I used to do it in high school. Like we, my friends and I, and we would give each other mohawks. Like when we would be in quarantine for the hurricanes, like we'd be like, you know, locked up for a week where you can't go anywhere because everywhere's out of power and the power lines are down. And so you literally like lose your mind in a different sense. Cause it's just like a natural disaster. And we end up busting the shaver out and we're like, Oh, let's do Liberty spikes or like mohawk or just shave it all off or like one time my buddy we did the no hawk where my i had a really long like fro and my buddy just went right down the middle with a zero like <laughs> all the way and we, <laughs> and we called it the no the no hawk and it was so bad it looked horrible but uh 
we didn't we didn't care. We'd go to school like that the next day to just to get a couple laughs, you know. Oh yeah, good times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, so yeah. let's uh, kick this back on on the guitar train a little bit. What guitars did you bring with you? That are the, what are the super special ones? Oh wow, that's a good question. Yeah, I have. Well, the one that's nearest to my heart right now, which I feel like it just. I don't know if it'll ever change, but I have this Fender Mustang. It's a early mid seventies. Um, it was given to me um, by this woman. It was her husband's, and he passed away. Um, friend of the family, um, known the guy a long time. He's been to my studio, and he'd come by and jam. And and I remember years ago, he he brought this Mustang, and he goes, "Hey, I, you know, I really want to fix this thing up." And I'd be like, yeah, man, I'd, I'd love to help you kind of restore it and get it going. And uh, later that year, he he was working. He was a tow truck driver, and he got clipped on 95 and and uh, unfortunately passed away. It was tragic. And his wife, we I remained, you know, remained friends with the family and over, over the years. And a couple of years went by, and she called me up. And she goes, hey, I'm, I'm moving to Titusville. Um I was seeing if you can help me move. And I was like, yeah, of course. Like I'll, you know, swing by and help you out. And we, we moved all day, loaded the U-Haul. And um, at the, at the end of the day, she was like, Hey, I want you to have this. And she gave me this, the Mustang that he had wanted to fix up. And it was, it was, it looked like whoever had it before him, like had no idea what they're doing. Like the, the, the pick guard was missing. It looks like someone tried to router out the middle of the body with a, like a pickaxe or something. Oh, wow. It's just like atrocious. Like, like, yeah, it was very, and someone painted over it in red. Um, and it just, it, the neck in the body, it, they, they were very, there were smokers. So they smoked in the house and their, their house actually, um, caught fire and the house, the, the guitar was in the house fire and survived wow so it survived it survived a house fire which if you saw it you would it definitely looks like it survived a house fire i kind of kept the the look of it um i sanded down a bit of the body to get because i was trying to get to the original color of the guitar and i got halfway through and i'm like it just it looks done i'm just gonna leave it alone because i was gonna try and restore it and i thought you know to pay tribute to this thing, like maybe keeping it a little rustic and looking like it was in a house fire, just leave it alone, kind of half charred. And so it, it looks very awesome. It looks like it just very, it tells a story basically, but dude, you got to send I me had, a picture uh, of that thing. <laughs> I will. Yeah. I had the, the pickups, my buddy, um, in West Palm, he owns a guitar company and pickup company called lust for tone pickups. Mm-hmm. Um, you can go check out their stuff on uh, the website. It's really awesome, boutique like vintage style, like all hand wired and just he uses vintage capacitors and stuff. And he just wires all my guitars up with his pickups and I love them. They sound incredible. Um, JP actually uses some in his guitar, his jazz master as well. But um, he wired up some uh, pickups for the Mustang and uh, it was kind of the first Mustang pickups he did. He normally only does the Strats, Tellys, and he's got like a P90 now and a few others, but they always sound really good. I, I use them in all my Tellys, um, but the Mustang was something he had never done. And uh, 
I actually ended up bypassing the Mustang switching and I did just a three-way toggle in there. Um, just because the thing was already beat to hell. I'm not going to resell it. It's super sentimental to me. So I wanted to just customize it to what felt right for me and then just leave it at that. You know, like normally I'm not one for changing any aesthetics of a guitar if it's all original, but in this case it, you know, it wasn't the bridge, the bridge body and neck were original. So I, I kept that kind of, you know, didn't really mess with that and then just customized kind of the rest of it. But that thing is just, it sounds incredible, plays amazing. Um, despite the way it looks, it looks like it went through war, like, but it definitely, that's been kind of my go-to guitar. Um, that's, that one's just very special near and dear. And another one I brought up is a, an old Harmony Meteor. It's mm -hmm. a, it's a 1967, uh, double cutaway. Beautiful. It's got actually holding it right now. It's got a really beautiful Diarmen gold foil pickups that just sound amazing in it. And um, the craft craftsmanship on these guitars are just incredible. You know, Chicago, um, early, you know, six or late 60s, rather, um, guitar. And it's just beautiful. It's in perfect condition. I, I got it from the original owner um, in Lauderdale. I remember I would go into work every morning. I was working for this construction company years ago and I went into work every morning and I'd get my coffee. And before I clocked in, I would go on Craigslist and look for harmonies. I went on this harmony kick where I, I bought an old harmony master arch top, which I loved a 57. And this thing came up a 67 harmony meteor. And I just, it looked amazing in the original case. I had the tag hanging on the neck still with a little pamphlet booklet, how to care for your harmony. Wow. And I was like, whoa, this thing is a package deal, mint condition. And I look at my boss, I'm like, I, I gotta go. Like I just ran <laughs> out the door. And I called the guy. I got, I called the guy on the way down and I was like, I was like, hey, like I'm driving to you right now. I don't care if someone already is buying it. I will pay more. And he's like, actually you're the first person to call me. Like, so I was like, you know, just stoked. I was like, yes, like I'm getting this thing. This is the guitar of my dreams. Like I've been looking for one of these, you know, for a while and, um, drove down there, plugged it in, played it. And, uh, he had a harmony little amp that he had got with it like years ago. And he, he wasn't parting with that, which I was kind of bummed. I really wanted that thing as well. Um, but, uh, got the guitar for really, really good deal. And, and, uh, that thing, Actually, Tom, our, uh, the guitar player, Surfer Blood, um, he had it for a couple years um, and he loved it. He fell in love with it and uh, it has like the best action and just plays and sounds incredible. Um, but uh, yeah, that's, that's another very sentimental guitar also because Tom had it for a while. And so that's one that I probably will never, ever sell as well. But a uh, beautiful guitar and uh, kind of one of my other go-tos for sure. That's awesome. I, I love when you get good gold foils. The gold foils can be a little hit or miss uh, just because yeah. they were a more budget thing. But, man, a good gold foil. Yeah. So awesome. these, are those, uh, these are those mustache kind of – they're like 
they look kind of like a humbucker, like the little, you know, it has like the little mustache top to mm-hmm. it. But I actually have, I have another gold foil, the single, it's like kind of like the single coil looking yeah. one. And my telly, I routed out like a Frankenstein telly, which is another guitar that 90% of the time, if you see a picture of me playing guitar, it's that guitar. So <laughs> that's kind of like my hot rod telly. It's got uh, the Lust for Tone pickups in it. And it's got uh, that gold foil in the middle. And uh, that thing sounds incredible. It's it's one of the best sounding tellies I've ever played. It just growls. It has like the meanest tone ever. And uh, that one I didn't bring with me only because I, I literally loaded my car so full that I couldn't fit another thing. <laughs> and I had my dog in there already. So my dog's looking at me like, you're not thinking of putting me in this car. Like it was just... He's already kind of claustrophobic, so I had like just the thing packed, you know, super high. So I was like, I'll, I'll do another trip. I'll go back for a couple other guitars if I, you know, get bored with these. But yeah, I got that. I got the the Harmony Meteor '67. The I think it's a '74 or '5 Mustang, and then I got just a a Franken bass. It's a, a jazz, well, jazz P P jazz um, bass. So basically, a P body with a jazz neck. Gotcha. Um, just for tracking, I've been doing some, uh, demoing and recording, uh, some stuff that, uh, either will be for my solo record I'm trying to put together or potentially Surfer Blood songs. I'm not really sure yet. I've, uh, been sending the guys, uh, and Lindsay, some of the demos. And, uh, so those are kind of up for grabs. Um, but just it's nice to have just a little of everything here to kind of track uh cuz i've been kind of on a, been on a roll kind of in this environment it's just been really conducive to to writing and getting kind of creative again so what else did you bring with you you bring any special amps or pedals or anything uh you know i wanted to bring my music man i have a 212 um music man i think it's a 75 um one of those hybrid I couldn't fit ones. it. Yeah. Yeah, it's got the gains. It's it's got the tube kind of pre-gain. It's a solid state with a tube pre kind of. Yeah, those are cool. Um thing is so sick. It, it you can kind of like, you know, crank the tube drive and then just blend in the master if you want to get a really kind of dirty, you know, overdriven sound or if you want kind of a nice clean tone, you can kind of roll back the the pre and then uh but boost the master and it's, it just sounds really good. It's got tremolo and reverb. Um, I brought this reverb. I have a, a Fender 1970. I think it's a FR 1000. It's a, like a standalone reverb tank. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. It's a so- it's a solid state one, but I mean, it sounds incredible. I know a lot of people like the, the tube ones, which is uh, what Dick Dale, I know used those, um, which, I've been wanting to buy one, but uh, this was the cheaper route, and it still looks really cool, and it sounds amazing. Um, but I also brought, as far as amps, I just brought my little Blues Junior that uh, my roommate left. He's in New York, so I've been kind of just, it's, it's just so convenient, and it sounds great. Um, but uh, yeah, that's basically been the, the minimal setup up here. Normally... If I was home right now, I'd be going through my closet, pulling out guitars and just reeling them off, which it kind of helps when you like hold a guitar to talk about it. Yeah, for sure. You know, like I can talk about my guitars when you hold it. You're like, oh, you know, like you can, it's, I don't know. It's, you kind of get more into it in a sense, but, um, I have a lot of (laughs) 
I have a whole room at my parents' house where I grew up that is like, if you open the closet, like guitar cases will come like piling out of it. <laughs> like I have, like, it's insane. Like, and it's, it's funny cause my, uh, my buddy that's been staying there, he said he heard a loud crash in the middle of the night. Thank God no guitars were in the cases, but I have in the closet on the shelf above, like where you hang your clothes, mm-hmm. I have all just empty cases in the whole shelf with all the clothes and everything just came down in the middle of the night and like, you know, <laughs> scared the crap out of him. And he called me, he's like, dude, he's like, your guitars. Like, I don't know what happened. Like, 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 I'm like, no, it's all good. Like, those are just empty cases. And he was like, Oh God, thank God. Like I was so worried. Um, but, uh, yeah, I have like a whole room with probably like 25 or six guitars in it there. And then I have another probably 10 at my studio and then then a, a bunch, you know, at my house and here. So I could go on for hours <laughs> of the guitars I have. That's it's it's a it's a, a disease, some people say, but uh I justify buying new guitars by based on the fact that it's an investment and then I could sell them, but I never actually sell any of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, oh it's you know, it's like putting money in the bank, you know, but it's, it's like gaining interest. Cause like I buy cool gear that, you know, ages well, and I can get more for it when I go to sell it. But I end up just becoming super attached to the guitar and I'm like, I can't get rid of this. So, you know, like, yeah, Hear me. so I'm with you. I, I- <laughs> <laughs> one, one of my, one of my most recent purchases as far as guitars go and is probably the most expensive guitar I've ever bought. I bought a 1968 um Gibson Melody Maker. Ooh. Um and it's it's beautiful in the original case. My buddy Hunter that's probably listening to that is probably <laughs> screaming at me. I bought it off him. And I he showed me this thing. I actually traded him. I have a, a few friends back home that I we trade guitars. Like it's like a guitar club. Like we'll just here you take my 66 Hagstrom and I'll borrow this, you know, or like whatever. Like so I borrowed this Melody Maker, and it was um, that Pelham Blue, which oh. ages kind of to gr- to green. Yeah, it kinda, it's it's a green guitar, but it's beautiful. It's like it's just perfect condition, and it's it's just aged so wonderfully, and it sounds incredible. And it's got the tremolo. That's the other thing I really love. Like most of my guitars have tremolo. Like for our sound, that's something that like we definitely love having. A lot of people are like, oh, you know, that goes out of tune, but like not really if you use it, right? So like I've found, you know, certain ways to use it where it doesn't knock the whole guitar out of tune, but it adds. And when I when I borrowed this thing, I was like, I have to have it. And uh, he wanted to trade back. I probably had that guitar for like a year or two. And he's just kept bugging me. He's like, hey, I want my guitar back, man. Like, and I... I actually gave it back to him and I missed it so much. I was like, Hey man, like I want to buy that guitar. Like I want to buy that guitar. And, and he hit me up one day and he was like, okay, like I really could use the money. And I'm like, well, how about I give you, I had this Gretsch, uh, had a nice Gretsch, had a Bigsby on it. And he loves, loves Bigsby's as well. And I was like, I'll trade you. I'll give you the Gretsch. And I think I gave him like $1,500 or something Mm -hmm. cash uh, for the the melody maker, so he he wasn't out of a guitar, and he got, you know, a good amount of money, which 
you know, those guitars, I mean, depending on the condition, I know they can go for more, you know, a little more, but like, I thought it was a good deal. And I also told him, you know, if you ever wanted to borrow it, you know, he, he was more than welcome to, but, um, I, I had to have it. It was one of those guitars where it just was, I took it on a few surfer blood tours and like the tone was just like, it was so good and works so well with what we do, like and complimented, like kind of JP's tone. Um, cause he uses a jazz master and a Vox, uh, AC 15. So I was running that, uh, the melody maker through my music man. It just sounded amazing. And I was like, I gotta have it. <laughs> But um, beautiful guitar. I didn't bring it with me. I, I wish I did. That's another one that I just, it just, I pick it up and I can just almost write a new song every time I pick it up. It just, it just, something about it makes me like, just like more creative. You know, when you play it, you kind of play it differently than you'd play other guitars, you know? Totally. You said that was a 68. Is that what you said it was? Sixty-eight. Yeah, it's a um, Gibson Melody that? Maker. And it's got two. I can't remember what shape they were using. It looks. It's like a, it looks like an SG. Okay. It's kind of like the, the best way to describe it. It's kind of like. I know which one you're talking about. In my opinion, it's, it's my opinion. It's kind of like what the Mustang was for Fender in that era. Yeah, totally. The Melody Maker was kind of like the SG precursor, I guess, or kind of more like, it feels like a toy. Like when you pick it up, it's like, this thing is so light. I can break this over my knee. Like it, it feels, you know, it's, it's not like a, the weight of an SG, you know, or thickness kind of, you know, it's like a little, which I love, like I love small little kind of janky guitars. They're super fun. Like I, I have a couple old Tyscos that I, to this day, still like have to use for certain things to record on. Cause it just, nothing sounds like that. You know, this whole time you've been talking, um, I've been looking slightly over my shoulder at, at my melody maker, <laughs> which I also love oh, nice. dearly. Um, I have a, mm-hmm. I have a 65, um, a mm. double pickup one, which is kind of, yep. they didn't make uh, as many of those. Um, yeah, that's what mine is actually. Mine has two pickups and the tremolos, which is kind of even more rare. Like yeah. most of them, you only see the one pickup, you know, and especially the, the tremolo was like an extra, like, you know, stock tremolo on it. And it wasn't a Bigsby, you know, it was like a stock Gibson tremolo i'm like this is so cool like, like i need it i think you got the one of the so. rarest melody makers that they, they have honestly <laughs> in in with it yeah pelham blue also on top of it well it's green but I, yeah i love so i can't tell you that is one of my favorite colors is well i love i love pelham blue the way it is i, I love it but when it changes yeah. to that green that is just something special yeah oh. and it's got this like really it's got that really cool like um i forget what they call it i probably sound like an idiot but uh it's like the tiger like the striping the kind of checking in mm-hmm. the in the the finish if you catch it at the right angle it just looks like a tiger stripes it's so crazy but if not it just looks like flat green you know but it, it's so cool looking like under certain lights you can really like see the color you know like in depth it just it doesn't Looking at a picture of it on Google, like, does not do justice to holding this thing. Like, every one of my friends that have played it or I've showed it to, like, the first words out of their mouth are like, "Yeah, so this is my guitar now." <laughs> like, <laughs> my my buddy, my buddy Jordan, a uh, good buddy of mine, he plays in a couple bands um, back by you know down in South Florida. I showed, I was showing him my guitar collection one day, and he literally fell in love with it. He's like, he's like, this will be mine one day. 
He's like, this will be mine. You're like, no, no. <laughs> like, just like dead serious. Like that guitar has an effect on everyone that it comes in contact with. It's just like, gotta have it. You know? Man. Yeah, I get it. And that's it. That says a lot. That says a lot coming from a Fender guy. Like, I mean, I love Fenders. Like, Fender has been good to us and always supported our band. And and I, I love Fender. Like, who doesn't? Like, they, you know, they have the best. You know, some of the best guitars ever made are like, you know, Fender. Like, there's no getting around that. But uh, this Gibson, like, especially, you know, that that era is just so cool. You know. Yeah. They they were doing some magic back then. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know what it was. I don't I know. I don't know. But yeah, I love I love my Melody Maker too and like once it got once I got it all set up and I got I, I it came with like a really jankety bridge that was like yeah. not factory. Um once I got a Mojo Axe bridge put on there. Um mm-hmm. shout out to Tom from MXPX for the recommendation. Uh, he, rec- oh, yeah. he, he recommended it on the one he came on the show a while back. Uh, but oh, awesome. got that on there, got it and got it all set up and dialed in. And it was like, oh yeah, this, this thing is a rock and roll machine. And yeah. everyone who says that those stock melody maker pickups are no good. Like when I first went to buy it, I was doing some research and like on all the forums, yeah. they were like, oh, you got to swap it out with like, you got to swap it out for those. I think Lawler makes some. I could, I think it's Lawler makes like a conversion yeah. P90 for it. And like, you got to swap it out for that, which I'm sure sounds amazing. Cause yeah. Lawler makes great stuff. Right. But I'm like, Oh yeah. I'm like, I don't need to change these pickups. These pickups are awesome. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's, it's funny. My buddy, um, it's kind of funny that I'm bringing him up. It's his birthday today. Chris Condon, shout out to my buddy. He, he actually plays with Billy Ray Cyrus. Now he's been with him for the six or seven years now, I, I believe. Right on. Uh, he was in my band. He was in my band when we were younger. He was super into punk rock and metal. And it's funny that he's, you know, he's playing with, you know, Billy Ray Cyrus's band, but he was all always a shredder. Um, he came down for Thanksgiving and we had a show uh, that night with my local band that I we kind of jam with. And he's like, Hey, I want to, should I bring my rig and come out and jam with you guys? We're like, heck yeah, like, come on down. And I had just got the Gibson Melody Maker back and he's he was like whoa i've always wanted to play one of these he's like let me let me you know plug it in and he literally we played one song and he like i was on drums he turned in between the song he turns and looks at me he's like looks at the guitar looks back at me and he just shook his head he's like what like is this <laughs> like this thing sounds amazing he's like are you kidding me he's like give me this like and he was always that way like you know he he's another one that like if you ever want to have someone on your show and talk gear this guy like he's taught me everything I know. And I don't like, I've forgotten most of everything. Like (laughs) he's just incredible. He was the one, like he was my buddy that was like modding, modding pedals. And he helped me build a lot of the first guitars uh, that I still have to this day. Um, Really funny guy, a a really hilarious guy to be in a band with. It was just constant laughs and just such a amazing tone and incredible player. Like he, every gig we would play, he would show up with a different rig. Like, I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, and he would, he'd always, for, for someone that had the best tone, he was always like, how's my tone? How's my tone? We're like, dude, insane. It's incredible. <laughs> like you, like you've nailed it. Like, you know, so I've always looked up to that guy and, um, we've, we've come a long way. It's, it's, it's funny. It's, I'm really happy to see him, uh, 
doing well and playing with those guys. He's got a studio up in Nashville, uh, Lust for Tone Studio. Actually, he's one of the artists for them as well. Oh, cool! Um, shout out to shout out to Greg Simpson out there, lustfortone.com. You can check out uh, really cool stuff on there. He's making really quality guitars and pickups. He's been doing it for years. Um, local guy too, which is kind of cool to represent our hometown as well. Right. Which is kind of how we actually got hooked up to do this is sort of through that. Yeah. So yeah. He Absolutely. recommended string joy. We started talking through the, that cause yeah. a lot of the listeners know this, but I've, well, maybe they don't. I've only ta- mentioned it a couple of times, but I've been doing artist stuff for them for a while amongst other things. Um, but, uh, and so yeah. we were chatting on there and it was just like, Hey, wait, you should do the podcast. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> yeah, it, it's a, there you go. It's become a, we owe it to them, I guess. Yeah. So <laughs> shout out to the Lust for Tone guys. Thanks for that. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's cool. Good times. So do you play with any pedals? We haven't even talked about pedals yet. We're almost at the end of the, the show. Yeah. Oh, dang. I, it's this one by quick. It does. It's always fast. Um, yeah. I got, I got, um, you know, I've been sticking to the pedal setup I've got now for quite a while. Um, you know, we've, we've used a lot of, uh, the band has, I know, uh, various, um, pedals like Earthquaker devices, Zvex, like a lot of really cool. We really try and support mom and pop pedal companies. Um, one right now, this guy reached out to us, um, the Spruce Effects. Oh, dude, Brian um, is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. What a nice guy. Um, we're actually chatting the other day. He's like thinking about moving to Florida. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, he's like, yeah, what's good down there? I'm like, there's actually some good spots, you know, Florida, we get a bad rap, like we were saying earlier, <laughs> but, uh, he, he sent me some pedals that I love, um, that I ended up using. We played riot fest, um, this past year in Chicago and, uh, he had that germanium, uh, overdrive, uh, and then he had another fuzz pedal, which I really love the Gale. Yeah. Um, which I love, I, I, you know, I've been using like big muffs and stuff for years and he sent me a couple things in the mail and I hooked it up and I was like, man, these are, these pedals are great. And they're just so aesthetically pleasing as well. Oh man. He always um, nails that. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, it's that you look at it and you're like, gotta have it. <laughs> like That reminds me, know, I have so. to send him a message. I totally spaced on that. Ah, bro, sorry, Brian. Yeah. If you're listening to this, sorry, Brian. <laughs> we we did a, a, yeah, he's a, awesome. a collaboration years ago. We did one and it's to this day, like one of my favorite collabs we've done. Um, and it's really all on him. I had very little input on it uh, because he pretty much nailed it out of the box. Um, we did it. We did one called the tremolo and it is a oh, nice. fuzz and tremolo. And it is one of the highest gain gnarly fuzzes in this beautiful little box. <laughs> like you would never know it. That sounds amazing. But it's yeah, it's bonkers. We yeah, we 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 should really. Yeah. I'll be calling you, Brian. That, we'll, we, yeah, we've fallen out of touch a little me, bit, but we'll fix that. We'll fix that up. Yeah, let me know about that one when it comes out. For sure. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Another pedal. Another pedal that I would love to mention, just because I know it's quintessential to say, but the Boss uh, Space Echo. Um, that thing is, I, I just recently, well, not recently, like probably a year or two ago, bought the, the head unit one, like the tape one. Yeah. And, uh, which I've been trying to buy for as long as I have known about it. Like 
and I finally, I finally found one in like really good condition. Um, it was down here, uh, Hollywood Vintage, I think is what it is. Uh, they're on Instagram. This guy Nick Romanelli, he's got a ton of amazing vintage guitars, drums. If you're into that sort of thing, Hollywood Vintage. But uh, buddy of mine, uh, he was a friend of Tom's as well. But I reached out to him. I saw that he had one he had got from uh, Power Station Studios oh. uh, down in Pompano, which is a pretty pretty big studio. They have a lot of amazing, awesome like outboard gear from like Motown, and they got like master reels of Zeppelin and all this crazy cool stuff there. Um, so it came out of there. So I knew it was very well maintained and and in good working order. Um, which I love that thing. The thing is amazing, but I use the, you know, the pedal version on my pedal board. Um, just love that thing. And then, uh, got a, I recently got a, cause we used a lot of, uh, the Leslie, I have a Leslie 122 in my studio that, uh, someone donated to me. I got it fixed up. Buddy of mine, Gary down in the keys, another gear head. But, uh, he was like, Hey, I don't got room for this. My girlfriend's yelling at me to get rid of it. We need the space. So I was like, heck yeah, I'll take it and fix it up. And we recorded a lot of that Leslie tone over the record. So I was trying to find a decent one for a decent price. And I got that Ventura vibe, um, which I think, I think it's Digitex. Not sure exactly now. I'm not in front of my board, but it's, I bought it. Yeah. I bought it, threw it in there. That thing's great. And it like does the, does the trick and sounds pretty cool. Um, I have a couple pedals that I can't, I can't really, well, not that I can't, but I just like, I like to keep a secret. Like oh. I have people when we tour, I have people that tour and come up to my pedal board and like, they'll take photos of it and which I think is funny. And I kind of, yeah, <laughs> it's just a funny thing to like be like, Hey, what are you doing? Like, I don't care. Like come take a picture. Like the thing is I, I put stickers over a lot of them. So it kind of throws people off. Like I have you know, just a couple of random little stickers that I've made and I'll just put on over the pedal. So you can't really tell what they are. Not that I'm trying to deter people from knowing, but just, you know, it's just fun for me. And it like, it keeps the question like, what is, what is that? What is he, you know, there's something in the, the mysteriousness of what pedal is that guy? You, you know, like when you go to see a show, you know, and you, you hear the tone, you're like, oh, it sounds so good. I want to see his pedal board immediately. Like That's me. I do the same thing. So I, like, I, to- <laughs> oh I totally, I totally, I totally get it. Like for all the fans out there and people that come to see us, like, uh, and if someone asks me, like, I, like at the end of a show, like I'll have, you know, kids will like wait around. They'll be like, Hey, like, can I talk to you like about your pedal board? And I'll be like, yeah, heck yeah. Sounds awesome. And uh, if you ask me, I'll tell you, you know, in person with everything that I'm using, um, just there's a couple pedals that are like so cheap and that you would never <laughs> you'd never guess sound good or maybe you know they would just work really well with other pedals um and it just kind of creates kind of like a an interesting tone when paired with other stuff um pedals that my buddy chris have turned me on to you know and just you know the, the key is like to go out there and just experiment and just see what works for you. You know, there's no right or wrong way or to do it. And, uh, as much as you want to emulate someone else's tone, like there's so much fun and just finding your own, you know? Yeah. I so, mean, you know, I, you know, I'm sure this is a listener. So, you know, and you know who you are, 
but uh, there's a guy who will message me periodically and be like, how do I set my amp to get this sound? And I'm like, I've never played that amp before. I don't like <laughs> it's got a three bandy yeah. EQ on it. Turn it until it sounds like what you're trying to get it to sound like. <laughs> like yeah. I'm like, and sometimes I'm like, man, yeah. I, don't, I can't tell you that. I don't know. I mean, I'm not in the room. Yeah. Like, even if I have played that amp before, <laughs> the, your room sounds different than mine. You might have to turn it a little bit different. Yeah. You know, it's like that's the that is the answer, everyone. Start turning the knobs yeah. and, no, see, and what it, see what it sounds. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Get and there's no right or wrong way. Like people think like, oh, you know, the EQ's got to. Like I have an amp um, recently, our, our manager, um, he gave us an amp. We were on tour. It was one of the last tours we did in our my dad's old van, which rest in peace, the wheels literally almost fell off of it. It was like smoking as it went down the road. The, the axle was like burning up. And But one of the last tours we did with that, we we're in uh, New Jersey, um, staying with our manager and... Uh, he was like, we went in one of the back rooms and I saw this old 70s. Um, it was, uh, shoot, why can't I think of the name of it? It's a custom. It was an old blues custom. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, the puffy uh, vinyl ones. Yeah, I forget what they call that. I feel like an idiot once again. Uh, there's probably people out there like, you don't even know what it's called. But yeah, they. Uh, <laughs> it's a blue sparkle puffy, like it just looks like squishy, mm -hmm. you know? And it's a two, I think it's a 212 stack like upright though. Tube, it's got uh, tremolo and vibrato on it, which is very cool. But this amp is so bright. I've never played an amp where I literally had to turn the tremolo, uh, the treble like almost all the way back. And it's like some people, you know, like you're like, oh, that, that can't be right. Like something else is wrong. It's but, but no, like some of these old amps and depending on what you're playing, like, you know, sometimes you can't get the tone you want given the gear you have. Sometimes you need to get a different guitar or different pedal or different amp. Yep. But um, when you find the three that like work together, like symbiotically, like <laughs> there's nothing like it. It's like, oh, this is working. This is exactly, I've had recordings where I, I go back and I'm like, how did I get that tone? Like I should have wrote that down. Like we'll go into studio. Like now we, when we go in the studio, JP and I, because we're he's we're both like fanatics about it like we'll write down everything like okay track one this this song we use this guitar this pedal chain this amp in this room like like we'll literally have it because we've done that in the past where we're like shoot like how do we how do we recreate that tone live that was that was it like it has to sound like that every time so it's kind of helped us you know like kind of find ways to get that acquire that same end result you yeah know? Yeah, I really thought when we went in and, and did our record that I was going to do that same thing. Like we were all like, we're going to take notes on all, all the gear that we use. And we got so wrapped up mm -hmm. in like in just the recording process that we super did not do that. And so I. Yeah, <laughs> it's so easy I, to just forget. I, I thought for yeah. sure, too. I, I was like, eh, we'll remember, you know, like I remember yeah. some things, but I don't remember it as specifically as I would have thought that I would, which is kind of crazy. Like. Because I'm so obsessed yeah. with this no, stuff. I, yeah, it's so easy to forget. Like we've done sessions where, like, man, we probably should have recorded that, huh? Like on this this last album we did, we did all in in my studio in Boynton Beach, which the last record, Snowdonia, we did all the well, not all, but most of the guitars, 
vocals and overdubs there. The rest of it we recorded down in Dungeon Studios in Miami, which I don't know if you know Dungeon. It's been there a long time. We actually, TJ, the drummer of Surfer Blood, and I recorded there when we were in high school. We were, I think, 14 years old. We rode the tri-rail, the train down to Miami. This is before we even drove. Rode the train down. I'll never forget our buddy Dylan that was in our band, Dylan Samore. Shout out to him. He was one of my good buddies. Musician. He's actually out in Portland, Portland uh, Oregon oh, as well. Over by me. He, uh, great. Yeah, great guy. Um, I'll never forget his mom wouldn't let him ride the train that day. And we had booked the session, the studio, the recording session. So TJ and I and our buddy Nick, we like teach them the baseline real quick. And we took the train down. My mom picked me up because she was living in Miami at the time and dropped us at the studio. And, uh, you know, we're kids. And we're, we're in the recorder with this guy and I ended up singing. I wasn't the singer at all. Like couldn't sing. My voice sounded like, I sounded like Mickey Mouse, basically. It was like three octaves higher. And uh, we're like, well, we got to do the session. We got to just record it. And it was the first song I ever re- sang probably <laughs> uh, or recorded uh, my vocals. And it was so, I was so nervous. I remember, um, but that was the first time we recorded. And so when we, when we, when we went back, TJ and I to record Snowdonia, we we went there and we we're like, I wonder if it's the same guy. That's wouldn't that be crazy if it was the same engineer that was here? And, and TJ is like, that was 20 years ago, man. Like, there's no way he's still here. And I was like, Yeah, you're probably right. And we pulled up an old photo. We had an old black and white photos. I think it was like 2000. Our, our one of our friends, they were doing film photography at her school. And uh, she came tagged along and took photos of us. Thank God we wouldn't have any documentation of it at all. But there's pictures, a picture of me, a couple of TJ, and then the guy Fred, the engineer down there. And I I pulled this picture up. I was like telling the engineer when we got there, I was like, hey, like, you know, we recorded here like almost 20 years ago. And I have a picture and I show him and he goes, he looks at it. And this guy has a beard, white beard, white hair. Uh, This guy, Fred, he's super cool. He's still there. And he looks at the picture and it's this clean cut guy. He's got like a mullet kind of, he looks at it and he goes, oh my God, that's me. And I have a mullet. <laughs> <laughs> and this guy, you know, he, he looks like this guy, If just, just to, so you can picture him, he looks like the dude from the Big Lebowski. He's like totally like the dude reincarnated, like just long beard. He's like, yeah, man, like cool. Like, you know, like, and, um, he cracked up. He was like, no way. He's like, I think I remember that now. Like, and you know, like it kind of, it made that process really fun for that record. But back to what I was getting at, we recorded overdub most of our guitars at my studio and this new album, which I want, definitely want to plug before we run out of time. Uh, very near and dear to our hearts. We record, recorded all of it at my studio this time, which has been really fun. Uh, and we took our time with it. And uh, we actually named the album Carefree Theater, which is named after a venue here um, that got bulldozed, unfortunately. But it was there since, like, the, I want to say the 40s or early 50s. And it's a very amazing old theater, you know, m- venue that they turned into a venue and uh, called the Carefree Theater, which is the name of our new album. And uh, I remember seeing Wilco there in like 2001. Uh, you know, and just amazing shows there, like Sean Thompson uh, video premieres there. Um, 
just very a lot of history with our friends and we it's kind of gone now I and mean, it was it was sad when they when they uh, bulldozed it um and it just kind of clicked we're like we should name the album carefree theater and this all happened before the pandemic and then the pandemic happened we're like wow like this name couldn't be any better we couldn't have picked a better name given the you know the light of our circumstances and everything that we're at right now so that album is set to be released July 17th on Canine Records, which we're going back to Canine um, for the new record. And also they're doing a double LP of Astro Coast. I don't know if anyone knows out there if they've been following, but we're releasing some old versions of the Astro Coast um, songs for the 10-year anniversary for the Record Store Day, which I think has been pushed back again. I'm not sure that the date on record store day yet, but, uh, it's going to be a double LP vinyl, um, that will have unreleased tracks, demos, and, uh, some really cool stuff on there. Um, some cool old, uh, Polaroids that we've saved of the guys and, um, definitely another really exciting release, um, to look forward to this year. Um, if not early next year, we're kind of still, anticipating the release to see but as of now july 17th uh carefree theater uh will be coming out look for it on uh surferblood.com also we have a band camp with some merch items up there if you want to support we have some cool shirts and some uh eps and some cool vinyl on there as well so definitely stay tuned for all those goodies but yeah right on dude well, that's it's funny that yeah. <laughs> you know, like there's some when we wrap up the episode, there's a there's a few classic things, classic questions that I, I like to throw at people. But you kind of already touched mm-hmm. on both of them. The first thing is uh, plug anything you want to plug, which you just did. The second <laughs> then the second thing is what's your favorite boss yeah. pedal, which I'm assuming is going to be the space echo unless it's not. Uh, it It should be. I, I think in theory, like if you left me on like a stranded island and I had to pick one thing, it would probably be an amp that I can get some gain out of, you know, crank it. And then that, that delay, cause it has reverb too, but, um, the reverb isn't that good on it, but I, I will say I love the delay. Um, but I have this pedal actually that Chris Condon actually, he modded. It was an old, I think it was an SD one. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it it's it's an eyesore to say the least he like it was one of the earlier mods he did so he was like drilling holes all in it and it's got like a hole that's way too big for the switch but it's like this little green switch on it Mm -hmm. and uh and i i put a piece of blue painter's tape over over kind of like the main part like that you click Mm -hmm. because i you know i like to make my own little stickers and stuff, but I put a uh, piece of blue painter's tape and I called it the face melt. And it's like this guy, this cartoon I drew of this little guy. I wish I had a picture of it. It's at my studio, but I drew a picture of this guy and he's like, kind of, it looks like he got electrocuted. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) that that pedal, it just, it's so loud. It's like you click it, you click on it and it's just instant feedback and just noise. Like, I don't even think, I'm using it for what he was intending to make the pedal for, but it's just something about that. If like you want to get feedback, you just step on that thing and just 
get next to the amp and it just you can it just goes nuts and it just sounds like it's terribly awesome <laughs> <laughs> i love terribly awesome. terribly awesome it should be the name yeah, of so this that, podcast i guess yeah so <laughs> so it's a it's a modded sd1 nicknamed the face melt i guess nice it's a it's a fun one right on dude all right well there this is the last question of the podcast and this is uh this is where okay. it gets a little bit controversial with people so mm-hmm. be very careful with your response because this gets this can get ugly what is your favorite uh-huh. kind of pizza <laughs> oh no this is like a very oh man this is this is tough it is it's not easy you know you know i'm gonna come out i'm gonna come right out of the gate and say to everyone that's listening and everyone that has a strong opinion on pizza you can we can all agree on one thing for the most part i would hope <laughs> any any pizza you know if it's of your choosing is better than no pizza at all like yes if someone was like you can never eat pizza ever again i'd be like well like i can't do that that's not an option <laughs> you know like that's i i i mean i love pizza like when we travel we're always like trying to like find like the best pizza like we'll ask like everyone we come encounter like what's a good like pizza joint around here we can like scope out and um shout out to nice guys pizza on uh, on the west coast of florida they are awesome really cool little pizza joint pinball machines record store we play some shows there um really good pizza there so i'm gonna say nice guys because they are the best uh but I, you know, I love, I love, it's hard to say one because I do love like Chicago deep dish. Like you're in Chicago, you got to get a deep dish, you know, you got to do it. Like you got to eat the pizza of the, where you're at, you know, of the area. And yeah, absolutely. I, yeah. Of the area. Mm-hmm. And I, it's funny cause I grew up eating like trash pizza. Like we would eat like little Caesars, like pizza, pizza, like breadsticks, the crazy bread, you know? And like, as a kid, you didn't give a crap. You're like pizza. Like we used to eat pizza out of a i'll never forget uh in middle school i was in miami we had pizza day i don't know kids out there still do i imagine they still have pizza day for lunch but the school lunch pizza day it was this round pizza and it was came in a plastic bag that they just microwaved and i forget the name of the brand of pizza i don't know if i've ever seen that it was it's a it's a pizza it's a pizza connoisseur's like worst nightmare, but I'm telling you right now, nothing excited me more than pizza day at Glades Middle School in Miami. <laughs> I go in the lunch line, and you you knew it was pizza day not because you knew what day it was. The smell when you walked into the cafeteria, it was just that pizza in a bag smell with like a lukewarm box of carton of milk, like you know, like it was. It's like. Like if I could bottle that smell, it just would take me back to that time of my life, you know, like being a kid and, you know, like down there, like my buddy, we had, we, we'd build like skate ramps in his backyard. We had like, you know, that time of just being a kid, like in no stress, no responsibility, life is bliss, you know, the good old what, days, you know, what, what was I going to do to, yeah. Like, what was I going to do today? Oh, have a great time. Like that was, that was it. So, um, but pizza, that's, that's hard, man. Like I, I, you know, I will say we're, we've been up at this cabin. There's one pizza place that's open here up in Fort Pierce, right next to us called Goodfellas. 
and they make a really mean veggie pizza, which my girlfriend, she's vegetarian. So I've been eating a lot more vegetarian. I still eat meat, but just by default, she's been making a lot of veggie and vegan stuff. And so I've been eating a lot healthier, I will say, but uh, they, they make a mean veggie pizza, pizza. Shout out to Goodfellas up here in Fort Pierce, nice, um, Florida. Really, really good. I actually ate some before this. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> right on. But, yeah. This is a good time. Thanks so much for coming on. Yeah. Yeah. No, no problem. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Yeah, dude. Of course. Well, for Michael, this is Blake. And as always, folks, good luck and good tones. Okay. That was another one in the can. Thanks for tuning in to my dad's podcast. If you want more of this episode, go to patreon.com slash tone mob for even more juicy content. Thanks again, folks. Goodbye. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is tonemob.com stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstreet as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out.